Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson. And Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. This is one of those episodes I can't believe we didn't record sooner. We are doing a deep dive on project planning, and we're going to share our best steps for breaking down those really big tasks into bite-sized pieces you can actually accomplish. I feel like I need to bring back the chicken breast. (laughs) I think so too. I almost went there and I was like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know if it's in my right to do that. (laughs) It's okay. But first, before we get started, we're going to listen to a TSH from Jennifer. Jennifer says, making lesson plans detailed. I am a third grade teacher and I plan ELA for my team. Each teacher in the team is in charge of one subject and then we all share our plans. I spend hours, y'all, it's dragged out, hours (laughs) trying to put in detail everything that's going on in my head when I'm planning. Worst of all, most of the time, the teachers don't even read those examples, comments, or slides that I had with all the details. But if I don't make them detailed enough, teachers are texting me and calling me in the middle of the teaching, trying to clarify the purpose of the expectations for an activity. I've suggested we plan together, but this is just the way the school has done it for years. And my suggestion has not been taken seriously. Mm, Okay. My mind went a couple of places with this. First of all, it reminded me a lot of myself because I am that person that Mm -hmm. loves to go above and beyond. And I will find it frustrating if other people aren't doing the same. And I understand like, well, if I don't make it detailed, then I'm getting all of these questions. So here's where my mind went. Instead of planning together, because I... I'm not a huge fan of like actually planning the ins and outs of the lessons together because I just feel like we all have our different work styles, right? Agreed. So what if you continue to like, you know, split it up, each teacher is in charge of one subject, but you then have a meeting once everyone is done planning where you can all look at each other's plans and that's an Mm -hmm. opportunity to ask questions. And then instead of having to like type it out so detailed, you can have a less detailed version. And when everyone looks over it, then they can ask for questions in order to clarify if they need it. Bridget, what are your thoughts? I was going to go in that exact same direction. And it's just coming back. I know. Just coming back and having that discussion, I think, is really, really valuable. I also think maybe coming up together as a team about structure. And I know we did some podcast episodes Mm. um, in October of 2022. I think they start with one 145 and they go down to like 148. And in those podcast episodes, we talk a lot about structure and how to utilize that structure to one plan more efficiently, but then also have very this very uh, natural progression that everybody knows what to expect, right? There's mm-hmm. no guesses here. And I feel like if you were to ab- if you were able to decide as a group what your structure is, that's going to take away a lot of those questions. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a great suggestion. Wow. You know what? I always feel good because Bridget it. Bridget and I <laughs> used to read these ahead of time and like kind of type out our ideas, but now we just put the TSH into our like podcast outline and we're yeah. like in the moment just whatever comes to us is it's what like we'll share. Seat. It is like a hot seat, which is a lot of pressure. So afterwards, when we're like, oh, that was okay, we did it. We We did did it. it. (laughs) Well, if you have been a longtime listener, you may remember way, way back 
I listen to a podcast called Stuff You Should Know, and they call it the Wayback Machine. And they have this like little jingle that comes on. So just pretend you're hearing that. Back in episode seven, which was called Lesson Planning Like a Pro, Bridget and I discussed how lesson planning is actually a project. A project is just a larger task made up of a bunch of smaller tasks. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest problems people face with productivity is they put projects on their to-do lists, but don't break them down. So then they struggle to know, like, where do I get started? Because it's such a big task. They will then procrastinate because they feel overwhelmed. And as a result, they end up getting nothing done instead of taking those like small steps forward. Yeah. So in this episode, we're going to provide you with a set of steps to follow that will guarantee your projects get broken down into small enough tasks that you can actually get done. In the next episode, oh my goodness, we are going to use these exact steps to plan an upcoming project with you in real time. So if there's any confusion, make sure that you come back and listen to episode 167. So if you're looking for a template, we have a project planning template in our digital teacher planners. Guys, this is a goldmine of a template. I love using this template. Sometimes I will print this out and I will just sit there and put my chicken scratch before I go back and (laughs) finalize it. Um, But you can head over there. We also, you can head to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store to check out those teacher digital planners. But we also have a free basic version of a template available on our website. You can get that at www.teachingonthedouble.com forward slash 007. Okay, we're going to jump into it. We're breaking this down. (laughs) See what we did there into six steps. So starting with step number one, y'all, it's the easiest step. You are going to identify the project. Okay, it's important to start with identifying the project because if you don't think that a task, like if you're kind of unsure of like, well, is it a project or not? You just have to ask yourself, is it going to take more than one step to complete this? And if the answer is yes, you need to realize that you're working with a project and there will be additional steps you have to take before you just dump it onto your to do list. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be so easy to ignore this process because you don't want to put in the work of like planning. But if we go back to what David Allen said at the beginning of this year, he says that we don't spend enough time planning, which is so very true. Planning is going to take away so much of your stress because you're not worried about forgetting anything. So Take, for example, planning a field trip. If you don't really sit down and think of each of the different components, you're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to forget things. And that day is going to feel so stressful. Here's a tip for you. I want you to take a look at your to-do list. Now, if you're driving, save this for later. But if there is a task, and I'm using air quotes around task because it probably isn't a task. If there is a task that has been on your to-do list for a while that you've been putting off, you know, one of those kind of lingering things where you're like, "Eh, I'll get to that some other time. It's actually probably a project that needs to be broken down. Or if you are Michelle, it could be a phone call that you just really don't want to make. Bridget, do you do that too? Where you're like, I just don't, it's a simple thing, but I hate making phone calls. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I dread them all the time. And I always dread making, and I know this sounds terrible, parent phone calls give me so much anxiety when I have to call a parent. I get so stressed out beforehand and then I don't want to do it. (laughs) 
I'm glad it's not just me. Well, we are going to take a very quick break. And then when we come back, Bridget is going to share step number two. Bridget, do you ever feel like you're a hamster running on a wheel? Oh my gosh, all the time. (laughs) I feel like everyone has a traumatic hamster story, but that's for another day. I do feel like we all go through those times where we're just kind of, you know, in a rut. Yes, you're absolutely right. Whenever I feel stuck in a rut, I love to try something new. So if you're listening to this and you haven't tried digital planning yet, this is your sign. Cue the song, I Saw the Sign. I'll Mm -hmm. spare you from listening to my horrible singing, but we have free digital planner samples you can download on our website. You can head over to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store and then click on the purple box that says, try our digital planner for free. From there, you can choose the Google Slides or tablet format and have it sent to your email right away. But if you love it, you can always come back and purchase the full version with all the dated templates. But this is a great way to try it out risk-free. Now back to the episode. All right, welcome back. So step number two is to determine the deadline. There are a few things that you want to consider when planning a deadline. So your deadline is essentially like, when is this going to be due? When do you want to have this big, huge project completed? So the first thing is, is that you need to be realistic. And we want to think Goldilocks, right? You don't want to give yourself so much time that it ends up taking forever to get done and you keep procrastinating and putting it off. But you also don't want to do it in such little time that you're overwhelmed, stressed, and you're not really, you know, enjoying everything else that you have going on in life. You need to find somewhere right in the middle. The next thing you need to consider is what season of life that you're currently in. If you're wanting to do um, a big house project, but right now at school you have report cards, conferences, you know, you have end of the year assessments that you're doing, that's probably not going to be a great time for you to do this really big house project. And then finally, you want to make sure, are there any other people that are going to be involved with this? Going back to that big house project, if Trent's really busy with work, then that's probably not going to be a great time for us to do a house project because we both need to either be available or one of us needs to be available for it. So you need to consider all three of those items. Now, when it comes to actually selecting your deadline, we kind of put these into two different buckets. So first, do you have a deadline that is based on external factors, meaning others need the completed results? So a good example of that might be with Bridget and I like podcast recording. I'm the one we record together, but then I will edit the podcast episodes and she then gets them loaded in so that they post. If I don't have them edited, then she can't do her part, right? She's depending on my completed results. So I need to adjust my deadline accordingly. In this case, you might have a deadline that you are kind of unable to change, like it's less flexible, and you need to consider that when you are completing the tasks. But in the other bucket, you might be setting a deadline based on a goal that you would like to achieve. And this does give you more flexibility, but it can also be like the most challenging because it's easy to like keep kicking the can down the road. You know what I mean? You keep pushing the deadline back because you either lack motivation, there's other factors going on. You have to be realistic, but then also hold yourself accountable in these cases. 
So a really good example is looking at back at that field trip example. The date of the field trip would be your deadline, but you might have deadlines for each of the tasks within that project, like securing the buses. Do you have to have that in by a certain date? Then that's going to be a separate deadline. Or collecting permission slips and money, that's going to also be a separate deadline. We're going to come back to what to do with those deadlines, but for right now, just make sure that you have those identified and written out for each of those smaller tasks. Then you are ready for step three, which I think is my favorite step. And I would argue probably Bridget's. Yeah, I know. It is my favorite. Step number three is a good old fashioned brain dump. Now, a brain dump is exactly what it sounds like. It's when you dump all of the things circulating around your brain and you get it out onto paper or some kind of like a brainstorming mechanism, right? Now, I know you may be thinking, oh, I'm going to brain dump everything onto my to-do list. No, no, you're not. Okay. The brain dump needs to be separate from your to-do list. We'll come back to that and why, but just trust us. It needs to be separate. Mm -hmm. I will say when it comes to doing a brain dump, especially for a project that you are breaking down for the first time, physical paper is great for this. If you would prefer to do it digitally, you still want like some kind of just a blank page within our digital teacher planners. There are blank pages. There's like the literal, it's called blank page, but then there's also like the colored pages that you could use for this. And we recommend just let it be messy, get all of the thoughts out. Don't try to start organizing stuff. It's fine. You'll clean it up later for now. Just get it out of your head. So it's better to brain up too many tasks or details than not enough. Like you want to go down to the most minuscule little bitty task that you can possibly think of. And again, as Michelle said, we're going to order those tasks and do things a little bit later on. So use an organizer to be able to break these down even further. You can even have kind of guiding questions that you want to be thinking about that might help probe some of that and realize that this is going to take quite some time. It isn't going to be something that's going to be done in five minutes. You might need to give yourself a good 30 minutes and then come back and revisit it because we all know that when we go to the grocery store, it's like, what was it that I needed? And then as soon as we come back home, we're like, Dang it, I forgot that one piece of thing that I really needed from the grocery store. So think of the tasks and then try and break these down even further by spending time and thinking about each individual one. You can use a web or a tree organizer or something to help you organize and visualize the connections between each of these tasks as you brainstorm. So going back to that example of planning a field trip and how that is a or it is made up of a bunch of different tasks. It is a project. Some of those tasks that you might be brain dumping would include permission slips. But then as you write permission slips, you're like, well, wait, there's a lot I have to do with permission slips, right? I might have to actually create the permission slip. Then I have to send it home. I have to collect the signed permission slips when they're returned. I might have to then turn those into the office. So when you write down one task, it might start triggering some of the other tasks that you might might need to do. Goodness gracious, Michelle. I think the issue is I haven't had a lot of coffee yet this morning. <laughs> In addition to permission slips, you might be brain dumping things like securing the buses, finding chaperones, making sure those chaperones have passed background checks, creating a day of like field trip kit for the chaperones, creating a schedule for the day of the field trip, and so on. Now, here's kind of like the good part of this. If this is a recurring project, meaning a project that comes back again and again. So for example, 
Field trips are something teachers tend to plan more than one time. Maybe it's not the exact same field trip, but the planning process is very similar. It's helpful to create a checklist for everything you have to do. We are going to cover this in an upcoming episode, episode 168. But just know that we do have a pre-made checklist for field trips in our digital planners if you want, you know, a little head start on that. Okay, so now we're going to jump into step four. And step four is to order the tasks. And this is where you can either place an order by when they need to be done or by the priorities. These are your must do's versus those, oh, it's going to be really nice to do. So some tasks need to be completed before something else can be completed, right? So thinking about that field trip example, if I need to make sure that I am sending out a schedule, well, then I need to get in contact with that bus company company and figure out, okay, well, when is the earliest I can get the buses? When do I need to have the buses back by? I can't do the schedule without making sure I'm checking in with those items first. You can place any of those nice to do's at the end so that you only get to them if you have time. So you can use this as a little bit of motivation. So one of the things that I always really enjoyed doing was creating a chaperone toolkit. And I would place all of the nice little cute things that they might need in their trash bags, like wipes, band-aids, a little chocolate bar, an extra schedule in there. And that's just a nice to do. I don't have to have that in order to make my field trip successful, but it is really nice to have. So you might find that some of these tasks are going to fit together and this can end up becoming one task because you might say, wow, all of these little tasks may take me about two minutes. If I put them together, I can get them done in about 20 or 30 minutes. Yes. Yep. I find that all the time and I love like Mm -hmm. trying to combine as many things as I can. Right. So then you are ready for step five, which I do like this part too. I'm not going to lie. This is when you are going to place your tasks onto your to-do lists. Okay. We mentioned earlier how you might have deadlines for individual tasks. Like you need to send home permission slips by a certain day. If that is the case, this is the time to set those deadlines for each task if desired. I know Bridget and I have talked about this before. I think Bridget likes setting like little deadlines for things. And I'm more of like, just tell me when it all needs to be done by. And like, I'll make sure I get the stuff that needs to get done done first so that it's out of the way. But within Google Tasks, you have the availability to set specific like days and even times for tasks. Now, Within Google Tasks, we've talked about before, we recommend having kind of three main to-do lists. You have your power list. Those are the three things you're going to do today. You have your things to do this week list. So that's around 21 tasks you hope to have done by the end of the week. And then you have your things to do this month or your like future to-dos. Those are things you'll get to, but later on. Personally, when I take my brain dump of the project, unless it's a project I'm planning way in advance, I will go ahead and start organizing those tasks into my to-do list. So if it's something where I'm like, oh, I can I can totally get that done today, I'll put it right onto my power list. If it's something that I know I need to have done by the end of the week, it will go onto that weekly list. Everything else will go onto that future to-do list. And as I mentioned within Google Tasks, not only can you assign a date and time, you can also have it send you like reminders and like little notifications, which really helps to keep you on track. But all that matters is that you find a system that works best for you based on how you plan your daily schedule and that weekly schedule and monthly schedule. We do suggest that you look at the time that you are going to start and when to finish in order to determine if you're adding 
too many tasks for one week and that may impact your ability to complete it by the due date. So if this is a project that's due in a week, but you realized it's made up of like 40 different tasks, you might need to have a come to Jesus moment because that probably Mm -hmm. isn't going to get done that week unless you take everything else off of your plate. And even then it might still be a struggle. Amen. Okay, so we're not done yet, guys. We have one more step. And I would almost argue that this is one of the most important steps throughout this entire process. And that is step six to schedule check-ins. So if you do a weekly check-in, you're going to incorporate this into the weekly check-in that you're already doing. If you're not doing that weekly check-in, it's time to start doing it. This is your moment to know I need to do this from now on. So this is something that comes from David Allen. Um, And I know that Michelle has a list of like current projects inside of her Google tasks. And so what she does is every week as she's going through, she will look at those Google tasks and look at the projects in order to be able to evaluate, wait a second, am I on track with this? Did I complete all the tasks that I needed to complete so so far? Or do I need to make any adjustments based on any of the other factors that are going on around me? Those scheduled check-ins is going to ensure that you are staying on track with completing your deadline that you set earlier in this project planning checklist. So make sure that you're scheduling that time so that way you are on track. Yeah, I will just tell y'all, I had never done like a formal weekly check-in until after reading, Mm -hmm. getting things done. And I have been doing one on a weekly basis since then. And I absolutely love it. It just makes me feel so much less like stressed going into the week. Yeah. And I have it as a recurring task on my power list. So every Sunday, it automatically shows up on my power list to do my weekly check-in. That way, I don't forget to do it because I'm still kind of building that habit. And how long do you feel like it takes you to do that weekly check-in? That's the thing. That's what's so magical. The very first time I did it, it did take a while. But now because I've been doing it weekly, Mm -hmm. I can have it done in like 10 minutes. It's not a very long time, but it's just going over those projects, making sure that list is up to date, making sure I've broken things down. I look Mm -hmm. at my calendar and I'm like, hey, what's going on this week? I will move those tasks from my future to-dos to my weekly Mm -hmm. to-dos. And it just, it keeps the system like flowing so nicely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so real quick, everyone, to review those six steps before we let you go. Step number one, identify the project. Step number two, determine the deadline. Step number three, brain dump. Step number four, order the tasks. Step number five, place your tasks onto your to-do lists. Step number six, schedule check-ins. All right, everybody. So that is the end of this episode. Be sure to stay tuned for episode 167, which is coming out next week. In that episode, Michelle and I are going to do some real-time project planning. OMG. (laughs) I'm nervous. Um, But we appreciate you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check out our website, teachingonthedouble.com, and submit your TSH. We want to know what is your time-sucking hurdle. We really do look at these and then use these to help us plan some of our episodes in advance. So you might have an entire episode dedicated to just you, which would be awesome. Uh, We would also love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when we drop our next episode. And make sure to leave us a little review over on iTunes. We really do read them and it just allows us to be able to get into the ears of so many other teachers. So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.